Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Happy Saturday and welcome to another episode of The Mandalorian Season 2 Review with the Wretched High Podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin and joining me on this beautiful Saturday morning, Greg Lentz, Dave Potter, and surprisingly up early on a Saturday, the one and only Nico Rodriguez. Good morning, guys. Hello. Hello, Falcons. Hello, Nico. I'm so glad that uh, I was so happy to turn on the Skype and, and see your name on, on, on the list of participants. Yeah, I, well, I'm glad somebody is glad that I'm awake this early. That <laughs> makes I, one of us. I was glad to see Nico, too, but I have to say the introduction of the Order of the Hosts, I am always supposed to be last, and I am appealing this decision to the Supreme Court. <laughs> I think Potter you have a better here. shot of getting that upheld than... Um, than some other stuff that's happened recently. At the, the <laughs> uh, guys, episode seven of season two is on our docket this morning. Uh, ultimate was, episode of the season. Yes. yes. Oh, that's right. Only one more is to go. Really? Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Yep. That's so sad. Season two, episode seven, chapter 15 of The Mandalorian, titled The Believer, dropped Friday, December 11th, 2020. Now, this one's a little bit different. Written and directed by Rick Fumayama. He did a couple of episodes last season. Who did a couple episodes last season, exactly. But this is the first episode this season that is not written by Jon Favreau. And it shows. (laughs) We'll get to that. Yeah. um, Rick Fumayama actually um, directed one of the episodes in season one where Mayfield was the the character there in the... uh, the space jail, whatever that's called. Do we know the names? Do well, we know it, the name it, it was a, it was a, it was a, a breakout episode is what it was. Yes. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, they weren't in jail or anything like that. They were breaking that other twilight out of jail is what they were doing. That's right. Thank you. Yep. Correct. Um, guys, we'll start as we always do with high level reviews. Dave, what'd you think of this episode? It, it, it was better than the A team episode. <laughs> also also of note first episode without grogu in it at all yeah no baby right. yoda at all for for see well first episode in the entire series right because he's yeah. in the, he's at the very end of episode one we see yeah, him in his little baby he's the big reveal at the, end, at the end of episode one and then he's been <laughs> a, a central part of each episode since then until now Right. Also, I think they could title this episode Obligatory Episode Without Helmet so Pedro Pascal can get an Emmy nomination. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought. What? Nico, uh, high-level review. What did you think of this one, buddy? Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, it, was, uh, it was interesting. It was indeed very different. And um, I only have one question um, that I want answered, and that's um, why the fuck did Boba Fett's armor get a fresh coat of paint? Yeah. But it's still being been chipped in certain places. Slave, ever... slave, slave one is equipped with a uh, a a prime painting station, is what it is, Nico. Yeah, you would know Apparently, that. If you yeah, but your models. But there's still <laughs> corners and. <laughs> Apparently, they found a harbor dasher that makes uh, spaceship calls, and it worked out well. 
or there's a space it, it didn't work out that well they... because if you really pay attention to his armor there's still dings and chips and stuff on the corner like it's been in battle but the the rest of it looks like freshly painted but it was painted poorly he's got that dent right in the forehead too that stays <laughs> right. there forever yeah the but dent yeah. is painted over yeah. but it, it's not just completely that painted in with some over putty. Yeah, seriously. They, Little bond. They stopped at Space Lows and picked up some spray paint and, and fixed him up. Um, <laughs> Greg, Greg, what did you think of uh, of episode seven, season two? Uh, it was an episode that they had to put in to fill in some plot holes and everything like that, and it was it was fine. It was fine. It was I, I enjoyed it. It was an exciting, you know, uh, drive down a, a, a leisurely drive down a, a forest road, you know, with some dudes <laughs> hanging on your back. Right. Um, but it was it was, uh, and it's this is no fault. Of, I'm not faulting. Rick Fumiyawa, whatever. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm butchering his name. Sorry, um, Rick. Yeah, he he did it. He did a great job on on the episode last last season with Bill Barr, and I enjoyed seeing Bill Barr back. Uh, but this was this was here just to you know make you understand that that you know hey bad guys can be are can be just misunderstood is what they are. They're not all bad guys. You know, even though <laughs> even though Bill Barr is a space criminal, he's not all bad. He's a criminal with a heart of gold. Heart of gold, guys. <laughs> right, right. I also have to say, if the joke about Three's Company is, oh, I think this is the episode where there's some misunderstanding, I think the joke about The Mandalorian is going to be that, oh, I think this is the episode where he has to go get something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, the episode opens up the opening scene. We're in a we're in a junkyard. Mayfield is the character played by Bill Burr. Mayfield appear, uh, appears to be his, you know, his penance for... For uh, the crimes that he committed, is he's he's breaking down old tie parts. He's with some other criminals there. Um, notice the rebel logo on the the jailer droid. The jailer droid really seemed like an imperial droid um, to me, but had the rebel logo. Um, yeah. is, is I, I think the was... jailer droid just had a patch on their their programming, <laughs> and, right. and that was about it. Is that what he was doing? Like breaking down old tie fighters? Real? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't repairing, right? It was kind of it, it was that it sort of was like, like he was scrapping them, yeah, yeah, like yeah. sweeping away the old regime and and uh, breaking down the old tie parts. Um, it's a recycling plant, mm-hmm. right? And and right off the bat, he's he's inmate three four six six seven, and and I you know how Star Wars is big into numerology, so I did some research on that. Three four six six seven is the zip code of Hudson, Florida. So there you go. There's your Star Wars connection. <laughs> what does that mean to any of us right now? I have no idea. I couldn't find any connection with uh, 34667, and, and I was disappointed, frankly. I wanted it, right, inmate 1138 or something, you know? Where is Scott when we need him? Yeah. I, by the way, I appreciated the single-mindedness devotion to their job that that jailer droid, droid displayed in this episode. Right. Yeah, devoted. Yeah. That, that guy was on point. That droid was like, you're doing this. Oh, you're not doing this? <laughs> you want to hire him as a uh, as a supervisor on your team, don't you? Yeah, That's I could use the help. help. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, we see our crew. And um, as was mentioned at the top of the show, Boba Fett is cleaned up. His armor is shiny and new paint job. And uh, Nico, you had a problem with this. It sounds like it wasn't completely cleaned up. 
Yeah, no, that's the thing. If they're going to paint it and make it look new, make it look new. But there's still, like, chips and dings and stuff on edges and corners like it had been through some sort of battle on their way from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, you if you're going to do you it... try to, wearing a helmet down. around the house, Nico, without running into some walls. That's what I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the armor fit a Boba a little bit better, too. It's, didn't He didn't look so much like a... Um, like an overflowing uh, breakfast burrito, like packed into a small tortilla. You know, he, he sort of, it, it, it fit him better. It looked better on him. It's weird. I, I will say it's a little uncanny Valley kind of seeing him with the black undergarments instead of the like gray jumpsuit mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, in the original a, trilogy. That's a great observation. I was, I, I was, I've been looking at him going, something looks off. It's the same armor or similar. Something looks off. And I just, chalked it up to you know the um the maybe the weight gain yeah. that he's <laughs> uh could be over the hut but uh, yeah but yeah I think he's, in, right. he's in like black he's in like black robes right he's got like the big f- fluffy neck almost and then he just puts the armor on over it mm. and so he's like wearing black robes under his fitted mm. mandalorian armor just yeah it's a little uncanny valley maybe next right? to the but, space lows uh, there's a space 24-hour fitness <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we see the interior of Slave One for the first time with our crew. Have we ever seen Slave One in sort of like the cargo bay rotating like that as as Slave One tips up so it can it fly forward? I, I don't think we've ever seen the interior of Slave One. Only the cockpit. We've been in the cockpit before, yeah. but I don't think about okay. the rest of the Right, show. with um, Django and, and Boba. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought that was Which really was cool. Really- it was really yeah. cool to see the seismic, seismic charges again. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Using, yeah. using, the, using, the same, yeah, using the same uh, sound sound editing or whatever you want to call sound design that they used in uh, Attack of the Clones for those uh, seismic charges that just... Right. Yeah, I was watching that. I was watching that last night again. Um, we just got a new TV on Black Friday. And this episode was the first one that I've seen on the new TV with the new speakers. And it was so good right there. Just that. All right. After post-show conversation, we're going to have to talk about your TV specs. I want to know what you got. Not right now. Post-show. All right. So the, the, the the doohickey that fits into the MacGuffin of this episode is that they are trying to locate the position of Moff Gideon so they can go after and save the child. And um, Mayfield says he needs access to a terminal. And so they're going to go to a secret mining base on Morak to access an Imperial terminal. Makes perfect sense. (laughs) They get to Morak and uh, all of the crew realizes that they're going to be identifiable by the Empire. And so Mando is the only one that is able to go and not be identified. So he's got to go with Mayfield and get into the base. And as Mayfield and Mando are, I don't know, driving that like Star Wars 18-wheeler filled with uh, Rhydonium, which is the explosive that they're mining on on Morak, which, by the way, was mentioned in Clone Wars and um, Rebels as well. So this is not new to Star Wars. They have a conversation in, in the truck as they're driving in that I think is is kind of revealing. So... Uh, the whole episode is sort of like sort of like setting up the payoff with Mando taking off his helmet. But Mayfield says, you know, it feels better when it's off. He takes off his helmet. 
there's this through line of the of being able to see Mando's face. He starts to talk with Mando about, you know, what are the rules here? Is it that I can't see your face or can't take off your helmet? And so is there some ambiguity there that we need to resolve? What is the rule for Mando? I, I think it's just the character's journey, you know, because it, it really started last year with the A-Team episode where he's visiting with a woman. And and, and I think it's uh, Cara Dune who tells him you can sit, you can stay here and settle down and have a normal life. And he contemplates it. You know, he thinks about it, it way back in the fourth episode of season one. And it's just the continuation of that. And this is the part of the episode that I did like. I did like him realizing there's more to just this Mandalorian creed where you can't be anything but the uh, the body inside of the armor. And him discovering that he actually you know cares about Grogu. And, and this is something that's very important to him. And it's more important to him than the Mandalorian creed because he's willing to make sacrifices to things he's believed in for Grogu. And it's a, it's, it's a really sweet part of character development that is necessary to keep him moving forward on this journey. So can I build on that with a question I have? And I don't have the answer to it, but when was the last time Mando said, this is the way? Uh, earlier this season. He said it a couple so, of times this season. Right, but there's been, we're a couple episodes out of Bo-Katan now where he got exposed to the idea that the perception of his belief of being a Mandalorian is actually an extremist view by Mandalorians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, just to build on your idea of that this is a character arc and he is evolving, that was the thing that struck me coming out of the episode. Is Wait, how long has it been since he said, this is the way? Is he actually evolving? Is this a one-off or is this a true evolution of, wait, I don't need to keep the helmet on all the time. Maybe how I was raised was wrong. He's going through an awakening of sorts. And I, I just thought that might be an interesting thing to to track and see the evolution. Hmm. I was going to say, I feel like all of that started in the episode with Bo-Katan. Like he probably had like a few um, questions, and then all of a sudden when he sees these other Mandalorians that are taking their helmets off and giving him more of a reason, you know, more, you know, kind of legitimizing his, his self-doubt in... You know, wearing his helmet and not wearing it, it kind of shows him that, okay, maybe there is a life, you know, without the helmet. Um, and I can put it on and take it off and still be who I am and still live, you know, my way. Um, but it doesn't have to be the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honor exists outside of the armor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Part of that conversation also, Mayfield says, you know, Alderaan and Mandalore are both gone. And I, I had to take a pause. Like, obviously, Alderaan has been destroyed at this point. But Mandalore is sort of in the middle of, like, civil unrest, right? So, man, technically, Mandalore as a planet still exists. You can still physically go to Mandalore. But I think what made Mandalore a a, a planet or a destination is is gone as a result of the purge and the civil war and there would need to be an act of rebuilding to bring it back well Whereas Alderaan is just destroyed as a place and a people and i, I i'm going to take it a step further and, and excuse me if I, I don't know the complete history of the clone wars but the last time we had seen bo katan to my understanding prior to this season of the mandalorian she had the dark saber still yes or i no? believe so yes so Maybe something has happened in the interim because she obviously does not have the the dark saber and she's not on Mandalore. So 
That's a great point. It was a it was a surprise in episode one to see Moff Gideon brandish the the dark saber at the end of season one. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great point. Maybe something has happened. Interesting. Hmm. Just something um, to just something to think about for Rangers of the New Republic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll hit on that this week too. We need another episode to talk about all the Star Wars releases and uh, Marvel releases that were uh, announced this past week. Mm-hmm. I have to talk about some of these visuals. Again, the show is so beautiful in the way it's shot. There's one that stuck out for me, and that was when Mando is leaning out the door of the truck, shooting the pirates that are uh, you know giving chase. He ducks into the truck, out the top of the sunroof of the truck, and then up that ladder and out. And it's just this seamless shot. It's it's just beautifully uh, shot and um, drawn. Yeah, uh, it just looks. It's perfect. It just looks so good. Um, he's er, while. What do you think of the battle on top that took place on the top of the truck uh, with the pirates, with Mando and the pirates? I just loved how he was getting exhausted like midway through, just like, oh, my God, can't you do anything but drive this thing straight down a road? How many of these flipping people do I have to kill? <laughs> Which is how I, I feel in was... the video game when that particular fight or sequence always it, comes out. I was going to say it felt a little bit video game-ish to me. Yeah, because that's the first time in this show it's ever felt like a video game. <laughs> Nico, I'm sorry I trampled I over what you was... were trying to say. That was okay. I'm used to it. It's just, um, you know, different without Scott. Um, <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was funny that he was wearing the stormtrooper armor, right? And he, right. I think, forgot himself for a moment in the fight and was using the armor in the way that he would normally with his best car. And we just watched it shatter. You know, he get, you know, he leans in a little bit and takes a blow to the shoulder, and then that pauldron just explodes. And then another one comes <laughs> right. overhead, and he throws his arm up, and then boom, that explodes. And when we see him, you know, after defeating all the uh, pirates and walking back into the cockpit, you see him kind of holding his arm up. Mm-hmm. You know, that arm that he throws up to deflect the blow, he got hit really hard in that arm, and he wasn't used to it. Um, so he, uh, you know, yeah, that was, um, that was funny to see it happen like that and see, um, see him forget himself, I think, for a moment. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, I did love the one little sequence where Mando gets up, retrieves the thermal detonator from the Rhydonium, throws it back at the pirate ship um, giving chase, and then he's blown backwards as the ex- um, concussion of the explosion uh, blows him backwards. I, I just thought that was, again, so wonderfully illustrated and animated. Um, I loved when they're pulling into the base and they're saved by the TIE fighters and that sort of juxtaposition when they come into the base and they are the heroes having saved this Rhydonium shipment and they're getting cheered uh, by the stormtroopers. It's the first time stormtroopers have ever won a fight in the history of Star Wars, so why wouldn't they (laughs) cheer for it? Wretched wife Lisa Baldwin turned to me and said, hey, that's just like when Luke blew up to the Death Star and she was getting cheered by the rebels. Oh, look at me. And then you guys immediately went and had sex, didn't you? And then we just did it three <laughs> times. It was great. Yeah, that's always how Steve's uh, Thursday mornings work out or Friday mornings work out. Um, Valen Hess or Valen Hess, pl- the uh, Imperial officer played by Richard Blake, whom uh, you might remember shooting Bruce Wayne's parents. In Batman Begins, I thought that was an interesting little connection for for things that we love. Joe Chill. 
Well, yeah. the, the bigger connection to things that we love, and you may be getting to this, was the offhand office space reference that oh. happened in the dialogue <laughs> in that sequence. TPS reports. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go work on those TPS yeah. reports. Great. <laughs> so good. And we're going to need you to work this weekend. <laughs> Great. Hey, Peter. <laughs> What's happening? Uh, and so Mayfield... And Mando uh, get into this conversation with with uh, Valen Hess or Valen Hess, and uh, they talk about uh, Operation Cinder. Which uh, Nico, I'm wondering if that rings a bell for you at all. Um, not that I can think of. It, okay. it didn't really. Well, it sounds like something was burning. It was a Clone Wars the, thing, wasn't it? The reason I put you on the spot, Nico, was it's actually from a Battlefront. Oh, Battlefront. The story okay. was was told in Battlefront Two. Uh, oh, that's not or, me. I don't play EA games. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so, yeah. Af- so, so once the uh, once the emperor was destroyed, uh, he left standing orders for satellites orbiting various planets to cause electrical storms, and essentially like catastrophic climate change overnight, like immediately, and destroyed a bunch of planets with that. So that was um, that's what Operation Cinder was. So I thought that that's- was. Fascinating. It, it's also referenced in the Chuck Wendig uh, aftermath books, and some of the and some of the Marvel comic books that have come out uh, post Return of the Jedi, post Disney acquisition. So it's uh, Mandalorian is really bringing all this stuff that's been being put out into the the atmosphere since like 2014 in ancillary materials. Mandalorian is starting to bring all of that into the the mainstream visual <clears throat> medium that we're all familiar with. So. Uh, for those of you that uh, thought you could just skip it over and not pay any attention to this stuff, think again. <laughs> think again. <laughs> perhaps Mandalore was caught up in Operation Cinder. I don't think that's – I mean we've read about – we know about Operation Cinder. We know some of the planets. I would go so far as to say we have no idea the true scope of Operation Cinder. I doubt it's limited to the like five planets that have been mentioned in all of the ancillary materials. That doesn't sound like the Emperor to me. Hmm. No. Yeah, uh, and and Order sixty six just didn't involve the uh, the six Jedi that they showed on screen, right? So, <clears throat> right. Bite your tongue, sir. <laughs> Side question, quickly: Do we know how many Jedi lost their lives in the purge? Thirty seven. Virtually, virtually all in of them. a row. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Mayfield ends up blowing Hess away, which is God. That was so satisfying when he just he just pulls out his blaster and and shoots the shoots. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, he just blasts Hess, Hess's out of his chair. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to interrupt the the bit of acting between Bill Burr and and the actor who played um, Jalen Hess. There, that was a good piece of act because you could see the build coming and you could tell what was coming. You know, it, it's yeah. not like it was a surprise and out of nowhere. But the the back and forth between those two during that scene, you could read everything going on. But you know, be, you know, behind the lines, as if you will. And I thought that was it. You know, like I said, this wasn't the best episode, but there was a lot of really good things about it. And that was one of the things that I really liked because, again, Bill Burr, criminal with a heart of gold, comes up, and you know, there's a reason why he's not working for the Empire now, and and right. you can see it building, and it and it and it you know erupts in this you know in this outburst of violence between everybody. So yeah, th- those two were either going to fight or make really really passionate, angry love to each other right exactly. there on the, the exactly. It was just going for one say- of those two things. Right before he pulls the blaster, um, like you were saying, you can kind of tell exactly what was going to happen. I was waiting for him to say, call me son one more time. 
Yeah, and then laughing because Jesus, did anybody count how many times he called them son or sons or like? <laughs> so then they've got to escape from the base. Of uh, a, a firefight ensues. Of course, they do escape. How cool is it that the we're flying around now in in Slave One? Slave One is the prime transport for our heroes. It's just so cool to see that ship in action. And as you uh, related at the top of the show, we get that seismic charge that blows away the the TIE fighters as they escape. Um, and the and sound then, editing for that is exactly what it was in uh, Attack of the Clones, which was such a magni- it's a, such a magnificent envisionment of how that sonic disruptor charge will work. I just I, I pointed at the TV, and Christine was like, "Why are you pointing at the TV?" that's good i'd like to hear those side by side actually i might do that later today just for fun um at the very end of the show we uh flash to moff gideon and he gets a message from the mandalorian that ends with he means he grogo grogu means more to me than you will ever know what do you guys think of that last that's a that's a callback. Yeah. That's a callback to what Moff Gideon said in season one. Is what that, oh, say, he's throwing that, the same line back at him. Oh. Yeah, it was word for word. Yeah, yeah. Steve Steve skipped the recap, so he would have seen <laughs> that exact line if he didn't skip the recap. That's a great yeah. pull. Yeah, I yeah. totally never, missed that. Never hit the skip intro button on the uh, on the old <laughs> Disney Plus there, Steve. Just watch the whole ah. thing. <laughs> All right. <lesson> <laughs> Lesson like learned. All right. So overall, guys, let's do really quick. How many Death Stars are we giving this episode? Greg, how many Death Stars does this one get? Uh, one to five. Uh, I, I give this. I give this a broken Death Star over Endor is what I get. I give it three broken Death Stars over Endor is what I give it. It's a very average episode. All right, Dave. How many Death Stars are you going to give this one? Uh, 2.75 Death Stars, but it is uh, still a fully operational battle station. <laughs> All right. And uh, Nico, how many Death Stars are we giving this episode? Well, considering there was only ever one and a half to give out, uh, add a five. Two and a half. But there's some weird continuities. All right. I'm with Greg on this. I'm giving it three. Three Death Stars for this one. Uh, so I think we, sounds like we all agree, kind of uh, good, but not great. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you're coming down off of two of the best shows of the entire series, I think. So eventually that streak had to end. Um, and, and, you know, this was not a disappointing episode, but not up to the level that they were at the previous two. So. Got it. All right. We're down to one more episode of the Mandalorian season two. And we will be here next Saturday to bring you our first gut reaction and our review tune in to the wretched hive podcast. Also, uh, we just dropped a uh, prime episode last week. Guys have a wonderful week. Enjoy your star Wars and may the force be with us all. 